0: I appreciate all the encouragement. No matter how many times I stand before God's people, you still never stop getting nervous. Right, Bill? I told my father that uh, several times, who's been preaching over 50 years and is still preaching in Valdosta, Georgia. And he just said it simply means you're still humble, son. Amen. But truly, this is a great opportunity. Uh, We're all praying, of course, for Laura Ann as well missing her husband and others who are away right now, and uh, we, we are definitely praying for you, my dear sister. But appreciate this privilege uh, from the brethren and also Robert as well uh, entrusting in me this great opportunity to stand before you. I do not take it lightly. Uh, it's truly a privilege to always stand before God's people and share a word from his holy and divine word. Uh, as we look at this day, Father's Day today, which is uh, celebrated throughout America today. I remember a conversation I had uh, several years ago with a coworker, and he was saying it'd be nice if an instruction manual came with kids when you had them, wouldn't it? And I said, "Well, we did get an instruction manual. Amen. The Word of God. Because I know each and every father in here wants to be a good father." And the Bible says in Psalms 37 and verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. Amen. So not only do we celebrate uh, Father's Day today because of uh, what the world decided to tell us it was okay to celebrate. But God already commanded us that. Right. The Bible tells us in Exodus 20 and verse number 12 uh, to honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Fathers, do you know why God commands us to honor our fathers? Well, one reason is because of the meaning of the word father. In the verb form, the word father means the founder, uh, to be the foundation or to author. You fathers are the authors of your home. And God wants you to author a good, God-loving, God-fearing, and God-honoring home. Men, listen to the instructions. I want everybody to turn with me real quick. Psalm 78 and verses 5 through 7. I want everyone to look at this, and men, I want you to listen carefully to the instruction that God has given us. Psalm 78 and verses 5 through 7. And Of course, I'll get to my text in a minute, but I need to set this up. Psalm 78 and 5 through 7. Look what the word says. The Bible says, for he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should what make them known to their children. I like that, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they would may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Ain't that awesome? Fathers, God has commanded us to teach our children and to point our children to him. And here's why. So that our children may have confidence in God and keep his commandments. I love what Psalms 118 and verse 3 says. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen, somebody. The New Testament tells us the same thing, y'all. And you fathers provoke, in Ephesians 6, number 4, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. And the word translated admonition means to put something into the mind. Fathers, you ought to be putting something into the mind of your children, namely the word of God. Psalms 119 and verse 11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against thee. If you're not putting the word of God in your heart, you ain't going to know what to do. It doesn't matter what your IQ is this morning. That is not how you make good decisions. You put the word of God in your heart and that's how you make good decisions this morning. I want to show every man, woman, and child this morning how to be an influential father. And if there was ever a generation that needed godly, influential fathers, I think we're living in those times today. Amen? Amen. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. A father's influence. When you think of the word influence, what comes to mind? I know we got some educated folks in here. <laughs> Rubbing off on, that's good. But in, in simplest terms, I can put it is, influence is simply the capacity to have an effect on the character of development or behavior of someone or something. That's what we're talking about this morning, the Father's influence. And if I ask a couple of questions this morning, commonly, uh, number one, what are people's most uh, powerful influences in life? Well, we would suggest many possibilities, of course. Our suggestion would depend on two things, how we look at life and what we define as powerful influences. For those who define life, In terms of fun and pleasure, amen, somebody, their suggestions for powerful influences would focus on things they believe produce fun and pleasure. For those who define life in terms of success, their suggestions for powerful influences focus on their symbols of success. For those who define life in terms of security, their suggestions for powerful influences focus on what they believe provides security. And for those who define life in terms of relationships, Their suggestions for powerful influences focus on influential relationships. So then there comes a second question this morning for you. What should be people's most powerful influences in life? This is not the same question. What are the most powerful influences in a person's life? Frequently are not what should be the most powerful influences in a person's life. Today is Father's Day. And too often it is the traditional time to fulfill an obligation. It may or may not be a time to express deeply felt love and appreciation. I would like to make an observation this morning. A father should be one of the most, I didn't leave you out, mothers, I said one of the most, powerful, positive influences in each person's life. Unfortunately and sadly to say, in too many situations, a father is one of the most powerful negative Influenced in many people's lives today. This morning, I encourage us all to understand the power of a father's influence. And for a foundation, Bill already said I use, I believe, what is regarded as one of Jesus' most powerful parables. A parable very relevant to today in life's circumstances. The parable is the parable of the prodigal son, which is often called in Luke 15. And most of us are quite familiar with the story. A rebellious son demanded his inheritance, probably what most of us would have done, amen? Left home to get as far away from his family and their influence as possible. For a while, he lived it up, and he did, he did attract many people who were more than happy to have a party with him, amen? And it's funny how friends, when you got stuff, friends are all around you. But when you ain't got nothing, they far and few. Then the economy collapsed. And he was broke and in a place experiencing severe depression. He soon was in desperate circumstances. And no one cared if he lived or died. He found himself, the Bible tells us, doing a job he would never have considered in the past. And the job did not pay him enough to eat. I'm going to deal with that a little bit later on. That's, that's powerful in that text. One day he realized his horrible mistakes, his stupidity. And decided to return home and asked his father to let him be a servant. In his own evaluation, being a servant was the only consideration he should expect. He returned and his father with love and rejoicing welcomed him as a son. Most of the time when we consider this parable, we focus on the rebellious son who repented. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we focus on the other older brother who got mad uh, for his brother returning home and they having a party for him. And I've been here the whole time. (laughs) Amen, Walls. (laughs) This morning, I want you to consider the father. Obviously, we're talking about the father of a grown son. Amen. Let's look at the text once again. Bill did a wonderful job, but I just want to read it one more time for you. Luke 15, 20 through 24. The Bible says, and he arose and came to his father. Listen carefully. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. This morning, there are four things I want you to consider about this father. First of all, he knew when to turn loose. He knew when to turn loose. Why would you say that, Brother Morrison? Well, let me show you. When the rebellious son turned loose of him, he let the son leave. I know I'm talking to somebody right now. Yeah. I see no indication. That he let the son leave because the father did not care or found relief in the fact that the boy was gone. The fact that he did not stop looking for the boy to come back is certainly evidence that he cared deeply. Look at verse 20. The welcome he gave his returning son certainly is evidence of his love. He did not allow the son to leave because he did not care or did not love him. He let the son leave because the son's heart and love were already gone. You say amen when I get on your row. (laughs) Now watch this now. It takes a great deal of wisdom to know how to care, how to love, and when to turn loose. You know, sometimes we call it tough love. Sometimes there has to be some tough love, doesn't it? The temptation is to hold on to a child that you love until he or she comes to his or her senses. The temptation is to believe that your control is the solution to the problem. There certainly are ages, however, when constructive control focused or founded on love and concern is what our children need. But there is also an age when constructive control accomplishes nothing. I remember uh, some of y'all going to laugh at this, but they don't whip children today, but I got whoopings (laughs) when I was a child. And some say I was bad. I wasn't bad. I was just a mischievous child. <laughs> this is a fixed up name for bad. <laughs> but I can remember getting whoopers all the way up into high school, y'all. I remember this last time, I think it was probably my junior or senior year. <laughs> my dad said, I ain't going to whoop you no boy, more, boy. He said, if you ain't got it by now, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> That's a true story. It takes great wisdom, church, to know when that time comes, but it also takes wisdom that helps the father to be a powerful, positive influence in the child's life. When the rebellious son left, the father knew a special sense of grief. When our children reach the age to knowingly rebel against us, it is natural to feel that we have failed as a father. It must have been very difficult to watch that son leave knowing he might never see him again. You know, when you give a child some money and they take off, you don't know what they're going to do. Oh, Lord, somebody know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It must have been horrible to endure day after day, not knowing where his son was or what his son's situation was. Say amen, somebody. Secondly, this morning, even though he turned loose of a rebellious son, And that son left, he was still a positive force in his son's life. See, we want to look at the choices the son made. How could he have been a positive influence and went out and squandered everything? You're not looking at the text, y'all. Watch this now. He was still a positive force in his son's life. First of all, we see what? What we all noticed that first of all was what? His son rejected him. His son deserted him. His son abandoned the way of life. The father knew what was best for him. And if we consider only those things, we would what? Conclude that the father was no influence at all in the son's life and certainly not a positive influence. Yet there is one other factor we must look at this morning. When the consequences of his mistakes and foolish decisions caught up with him, the son thought of his father and the home he left. Let me help somebody. Go back to verses 16 through 17. Matter of fact, let's go back to verse 15, 15 through 17. I want to get the whole gist of it. The Bible says that he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And watch this now. Listen to verse 16. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he had a revelation or epitaph, if if you will. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I will perish with hunger. He realized his situation, what it was. He started now finally being able to appreciate what his father had been doing for him all that time. But you know, verse 16 is what gets me. I know ain't none of y'all, I know most of y'all grew up with a silver spoon, grew up in the city, don't know nothing about the country. But for my summer vacations growing up, I would be sent to Valdosta, Georgia, to work on the farm with my grandfather. And he had some pigs. And when you if any of y'all know anything about feeding pigs, that is the most bodacious smell there is. I would do everything in my power to hold my whatever I had on my stomach in. But the Bible says he was so hungry. He was willing to eat even what the pig's eaten. I can't even imagine being that hungry. <laughs> Papa Joe laughing, he might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but watch this now, watch this now. When his own decisions and actions Broke him. His decisions and actions broke him. David would say over there, he had a broken and contrite heart and said, against thee and thee alone, God, have I sinned. Mm -hmm. That's why he says over there, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Until you get broken, you don't appreciate what you got. He remembered home. And he remembered home because of his father. In all he did to disappoint and hurt his father, going home was an option. Look at that. He still realized he had enough sense to realize going home was an option. Ain't I talking to somebody today? It was an option in accepting responsibility for his decisions and actions. Ain't nobody in here ain't made no mistakes. We all got to used to be. Amen. But the important thing I want you to see is this. It was an option because of his father's positive influence in his life. The third thing I want you to see is this. The father's love for his son never died. He hoped his son would some, someday soon come home. He hoped his son's memories would bring him back. It was not a control issue. It was a love issue. It was not an I told you so issue. It was a loving relationship issue. See, and that's how we are a lot of the times. We tell folks stuff and and they go do it and say, I told you so. You know what? Be more loving like the father in this situation. And let them realize their mistakes and gently receive them back. It was not because he wanted to be right. It was because he loved his son. To me, the evidence of this father's incredible love is seen in a simple statement. The Bible says when he was looking down the road, that tells me he had been looking for his son. When he looked down the road and saw his son in a distance, he recognized him. The ordeal the son had experienced as a consequence of his own choices and behavior were severe. And that severe ordeal had to impact that young man's appearance in every way. I'm sure he didn't come home looking like when he left. When, look at when he left he had all kind of money. Looking like a million bucks. But after feeding the swine and wanting to eat with the pigs and on his last leg, he was like, let, let me go back. I imagine he probably hadn't shaved. I, I can just imagine. Y'all know them visual pictures. I, I met mean, he looked a mess. Yeah. Tore up from the flow up. <laughs> but like what this text says. Yet the father recognized him. The father recognized him. That's my son. Come on home. And the Bible says he, he kissed him. If that ain't truth of a, of a... He didn't have a belt waiting for him. <laughs> he kissed him. Lord have mercy. If we, if we can't get something out of this lesson today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to send this to my father. A little bit late now, though. But listen carefully. The fourth thing I want you to realize about the father is this. He knew how to extend encouragement and welcome his son when he had been defeated. So many times when people are beat down and broken, we want to do what? Put our foot on them and and beat them up a little more. Come on now. And see, that's why I love this thing. We want to talk about the prodigal son or the brother. This is about the father this morning. There was no come to me on on my terms. There was a joyful reunion. There was no lecture. How many times parents you won't give a lecture? The Bible says there was a kiss. Mm. Exactly. There was no desire to make him suffer more. There was a desire for the boy to know the father still wanted him. As a son. There was no mourning for all that was wasted. There was immediate rejoicing. See, most of us have been like, how are you going to repay me? (laughs) Repentance, though, had changed his son. Coming home had changed his son. The rebellious son who left home was dead. Listen at me. The rebellious son who left home was dead. The son he loved was alive. In my understanding, those four factors made made the father a powerful influence in that son's life. He knew when to turn loose. And even though he turned loose, he was a positive force in his son's life. His love for his son never died. And he knew how to encourage and welcome his son when he came home. Now, of course, what I've been trying to share with you this morning in the parable, the father represents God. Amen. Fathers, we represent God in a ways in ways that a mother never can. There are avenues of influence mothers have in their children's lives that fathers do not have, of course. However, we fathers are God's representatives in a special way. Now, that does not make sense to most people. A person is a person, you would say. A human influence is a human influence. But I share this from experience of years of working with troubled people who struggle with life. Persons who struggle with their fathers, who feel rejected by their fathers, who feel abandoned and unloved by their fathers, frequently struggle in their relationship with God. One of the common images of God in the Bible is God the Father. When a person has a deep negative feelings about his or her father, he or she often transfers those feelings to God. It's extremely important for Christian fathers to be a powerful, positive influence in the lives of their children. Now, I want to speak briefly to everyone this morning. In the parable of the prodigal son, the father symbolizes God. And Jesus gave the parable to teach some primary lessons about the power and effectiveness of repenting. A basic lesson concerning repentance is taught in God and the sons coming to himself and returning to the father. Regardless of the kind of father you have or the negative influences that exist in your life because of your father, God still loves you. God loves you enough, however, to turn you loose and let you do your own thing. And that is not what he wants, but he will, however, turn loose and allow you to do as you wish and as you choose. But of course, in doing so, you got consequences, amen? But if you belong to God, it will be because you return to God's love and you are in a relationship by God by your choice. I can sit here and talk here until I'm black and I'm blue, but can't nobody force you to do what God wants you to do. You have to want to do it. You got to want to. God wants to be the most powerful, positive, beneficial force in your life. And he only seeks to do you good. He knows what will destroy you, but he will not force you to do his will, even though it is best for you. And even if you rebel and abandon God, God's love for you will not not die. He says in Hebrews 13, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, Now watch this now. When you've, when somebody's done you wrong, you might say, you got three strikes and you're out already. (laughs) Or you, what's the famous one? You're getting on my last nerve. But no matter how many times we mess up, God is still there to receive us. And I mean, I cry a lot of times because I know how many times I disappointed God. But he still loves me. I didn't say you did, but he loves me. (laughs) And one thing I found, church, God will never stop loving you. He will not stop, stop hoping by choice that you'll turn home and return to him. And as long as you live, he will not stop looking for your return like the father. He's waiting for you to come down that road and come on back home. And sometimes, look at this, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. God says he'll forgive us, but we don't forgive ourselves. And when you come to God, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what has happened in your life, he knows how to welcome you and encourage you. He wants you to be a part of his family again. And when you return, he will never be ashamed of you. One of of the most difficult challenges in life is to accept love. One of the most difficult challenges in life is to accept love. And and watch this. I'm going to show you something here. Sometimes, when somebody's messed up in a lives, we say, oh, I don't love them no more. Oh, what if God stopped loving you? <laughs> and, and watch this now. I'm going to share something with you. I, I, I've, I've taught this for many years. The people we think deserve love the least, need love the most. Chew on that when you go home. <clears throat> the people we think deserve love the least, need love the most. Mm-hmm. See, when you're at work, or at school or wherever, and somebody snaps at you, a lot of times it's not even about you. They probably going through something, and your reaction makes the situation even worse. The greater our struggle, and the deeper our troubles, the harder it becomes to accept love. God wants us to know his love is there. And And sometimes we say... I wonder if God will ever forgive me. Simple passage. We talked about it earlier. Uh, I think uh, has shared it in class this morning. 1 John 1:9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only thing it takes is for you to fess up. Does God love me? That will never be an issue. The only issues are these. Will you accept the love and will you accept the forgiveness? Will you accept the love and will you accept the forgiveness? See, I, I think as humans, we have a problem with God forgiving us and loving us because we don't know how to reciprocate that love to other people. See, we try to deal with God in a human sense, and, and we talked about this morning, do His ways are not our ways, as the heavens are high on earth, so are his ways and his thoughts to ours. If you don't love and don't forgive, you don't know God. The Bible says, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Mm -hmm. I hope I shared some things this morning to encourage you and put some thoughts on your mind. If you're here this morning and you don't know. About the God, this great, wonderful God that I'm talking about. You need to hear the gospel, how that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. You need to believe it. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. And then how to do it? The Bible says, faith then comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Romans 10:17. Then you need to make that great confession, how that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus mm-hmm. says, if you can or, or confess me before men, I shall confess you before my Father which is in heaven. And then you know what? The Bible says this, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3. Mm-hmm. And then that just gets you unto Christ. You ain't in Christ yet. The Bible says in Colossians, as many of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. The water grave of baptism, the water grave of baptism is ready for you today. If you don't know Jesus, you know, need to know him. He died for your sins and he died for my He died for the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. And his blood is still fresh today, even though he died many years ago. Amen. If you have anything on your heart today, you need to confess. And you know what? Sometimes we can be some hard people, okay? We, even as Christians, when we mess up, people want to keep holding it and remembering it and stuff. But you know what? As soon as you confess it to God... He cleanses He said, I'll remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, mm-hmm. I'll remember your sins no more. God forgives us. And you know what? Forgiveness is not Is not saying, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. That's not forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is releasing the prisoner and realizing the prisoner was you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that won't hit somebody until later on. But if there's anything on your heart at this time you need to express or if you want to come to the Lord this time, you can do so. Together, stand and sing. The song that's been selected.